How can we love better? So one more time, welcome. Whether you're in the room or you're joining us online, so glad that you're here. So I want to kind of take that, that question a little bit further. How can we love better? Because we're going to dig into, honestly, I think it's a topic that we all know is important, but is hard to hear. There's hard truth today. And, and so as we dig in, I want to ask this question here today. And the question is, what is most valuable to you? What is most important in your life? What is the thing or the things that are the most important? Like, you know that this ranks above everything else in your life in importance. What would that be? Now, if we went around and we took a microphone, you know, I say this a lot and we went around, I'm guessing we'd all have slightly different lists, right? My mountain, the mountains would be high on the list. Some of you'd be like, I want nothing to do with that. Give me the beach, right? We've talked about that. But, but the mountains would be high on my list. The beach would be high on some of your list. That's awesome. And so we'd have different lists. But my guess is if we did that, you probably, every single person in this room, every single person online, every person everywhere, at the very top of that list, maybe it's not number one, although for most of it, it probably would be. So if it wasn't number one, it'd be very, very close to the top. The most important thing in your life are people. Isn't it? It's relationships. That's the most important thing. Like you wouldn't elevate, you know, a car or a house or or a, a PC gaming system. I'm thinking in terms of like teenager status, right? You know, or what? We would not elevate that above people, above relationships with people. People matter the most to us, don't they? Every one of us would agree with that, I'd say. And so the question is. How do we build healthy relationships? So you guys know we're in this series called Gages. Very simply, we are looking at aspects of our lives, areas of our lives, and we're asking the question, how full is the tank in this area? Where's the gauge at in, in that area? And so today, as I said, the area that we're talking about is relationships. It's one of the things that is the most important to us. But can we be honest? It's one of the areas of our life that we have some of the most problems with. <laughs> right? I do. I know I do. Trust me. You come into our house at any given day and you're like, huh, and you're talking about relationships? Really? Okay, pastor. <laughs> right? Because it's one of the most important things and it's one of the hardest things to deal with. And so the question is that I want to ask you is, where's your gauge? Where's your relational gauge today? How are your relationships in your life doing right now? Current status. And some of you, you know, you have a gauge on the back of your handout, right? It's there. And we left it blank on purpose. Maybe you're courageous enough to actually fill it in and and really think about and say, "Eh, if I were going to be honest, I'm kind of maybe half maybe half full in my relationships. Maybe I'm actually less than that. Maybe I'm a quarter. Maybe I'm down in the red zone. Maybe I'm almost empty. Maybe some of you, you're here and you're like, I'm full. This is awesome. My relationships are amazing. I I can't get enough. Like, this is amazing. But I want to ask the question, where are you at in your relationships? How do we build healthy relationships? So as I was kind of wrestling with this question this week for the message, 
um, uh, I came up with, well, God was kind of downloading a whole lot of stuff to me, of course, as, as you would imagine, you kind of, you know how I preach. And so I've got all the, like, I'm getting downloads all the time, right? God's just kind of boom. And I'm like, yeah, woo, oh, that's good. And I'm watching a movie. I can't watch a movie without going, oh, that'll preach right there. I, I need to clip that out and use that, right? I, I just can't get away from it. And it's just this constant download. And as I was preparing for this message, God kind of downloaded five specific things uh, about how to build our relationships. But I didn't work them out right away. At the beginning of the week, I, I, I was, I was kind of having a hard time like trying to figure out how am I going to talk about these? What specifically, how would I say this? How, how do we go about this? What, what exactly is that? Like they were general principles, but there were these five things. And then as I was praying and as I was doing some research, I came across a video. And this video is a, a speech, it's, it's kind of, I think, a, a hodgepodge, like mashup of different speeches from a guy named Simon Sinek. Have you guys heard of Simon Sinek before? Pretty famous author and speaker these days. And Simon Sinek, he spoke on something that he calls five steps for success. And you know what? It's crazy. This is how God works. As I was watching that video... The five steps for success were the five things that I knew I needed to share with you. But he just said it way better than I was thinking of them. <laughs> Seriously, he was, I was like, oh, he said number one. I was like, yes. And then he went to number two. I was like, yeah, I, I, that's how I should say that. Num number three, I was like, okay, this is weird. And then number four and number five, I'm like, God, you gave me my message. Awesome, thank you. <laughs> Right? No, but seriously, like he spoke on these things. And so what I want to do is I actually, a lot of what I want to share today actually in, in the verbiage comes from Simon Sinek. Now, now the principles and all the stuff that you're going to find all this in God's word, right? But, but how it's packaged, I want to give it to you kind of in a way that was packaged by Simon, okay? And, and I want to give this to you and he calls it five steps for success. I'm telling you, I'm calling it five things or five ways to build relationship. Five things that you can do to build your relationships, to build your own relationship with God, to build your relationships with other people and to build the, into their relationships. So in other words, this is five things that you can do, five ways to live so that you can fill your relational tank, right? Because I, I don't know about you, how many of you, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you want your relational tank, your relationships to be full? All right? Or how many of you be like, man, I want my relationships to be terrible, like conflict-ridden, hateful. I, man, that would be awesome for my relationship to be that way. That'd be great. Right? Just like, just daggers, like all the time. That'd be great. Right? We don't want that. We want our relationship tank to be full. So how do we do that? Let me give you five things. All right? And again, some of these stories that you're going to hear, you're gonna, you'll be able to find from Simon Sinek because he tells these same stories. So give credit to where credit is due. Simon Sinek is the one that tells these stories. I'm just using them because, man, I was like, oh, man, that is like, oh, can't get better than that. All right. Number one, if we want to fill our relational tank, what do we need to do? Be the last to speak. Be the last to speak. In essence, what are we saying with this? Really simply, we're saying, listen first. Listen first. 
What we really are talking about is the wisdom of how to build in a relationship is to make sure you first understand the other person that you're dealing with, right? The relationship that you're in. Make sure you understand where they're at, who they are, what they care about. Be, put yourself in their shoes. The only way to put yourself in their shoes is to hear who they really are. Listen first. So one of the best sources of advice that I can give you to go to for relationships, for relationship advice, is the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs is actually very easy to find. If you take your Bible and you open it, like kind of you subdivide it right in the middle, and then you go backwards just a little bit toward the front. In fact, I just did it. I kid you not. The book of Proverbs. You'll end up in the book of Proverbs. Let me just tell you, if you want the best advice that you will ever have for relationships, read the book of Proverbs. Now, I will tell you this caveat, warning. Uh, I don't know what percentage, but the vast majority of the advice that you're going to get in relationships is for you, not for the other person. <laughs> in fact, you're going to love one of my points here in a minute. Most of the advice that you're going to get in the book of Proverbs is not for the other person. It's not like you read it and say, pride, you shouldn't have pride. You and you'd be like, man, that person needs to learn that. Nope, that was for you. <laughs> so just trust me when I say it's the best advice you'll ever read for relationships. One of the reasons it is, is because Proverbs is speaking to you <laughs> in the advice that it's giving but I want to share a couple of examples from the book of Proverbs about listening, about listening first. Proverbs 18, 13 says, spouting off before listening. I love how it says spouting off. So good. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Notice it says it's not just dumb. That's foolish, right? It's not just dumb. It's shameful. You should be ashamed when you do it. Speaking before listening is, is both dumb and you should feel ashamed about it. Those are strong words. This is, I'm just telling you, see, how many of you want to read Proverbs now? You're like, uh, maybe not, <laughs> right? Because it digs in. Let me give you one more. Proverbs 18.2 says this, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. By the way, have we seen any of that this last year? <laughs> yeah, I think that's all we've seen, right? People airing their opinions and not caring what anybody else thinks. Like it is just air the opinion, air the opinion, throw it out there. Ha, this is, this is who I am. In fact, I would say, you want to know why so many relationships are struggling today? It's because we're living opposite of this advice. We're not putting ourselves in each other's shoes. We're not caring about the other person first before we speak. And so my suggestion, my thought is listen first. So Simon Sinek tells a story about Nelson Mandela. A lot of people would consider to be, uh, Nelson Mandela to be a great leader. And a person came to Nelson Mandela one day and, and asked him, how did you become such a great leader. Like, where, where did you get the example? Where, where did this come from? And Nelson Mandela, he said, by watching my father. 
I just, I learned from my father. And he said specifically two things that I noticed about my father that I learned when he is relating to other people. Specifically, he said, in groups of people. He said, I noticed two very key things. He said, one, I noticed that they always sit in a circle. We, we discount the circle, by the way. Do you realize that? How many of you have ever been in this situation? In fact, I, 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 you don't have to raise your hand on this, but how many of you have been at a restaurant or, or at a meeting or something like that and you have a long rectangular table? That's Most restaurants, that's what they have, right? Why? Because it maximizes the space. <laughs> Round tables take up more space, so they don't want to do that. They're going to lose money, right? And so they have a rectangular. But let me, let me ask you this. Have you ever been in a group like in your five to 10 to 12 people that went to lunch or had a dinner meeting or something like that and and the conversation's going on over here but you're at this end of the table and you're kind of you're trying to lean in you're trying to listen like you're trying to catch what's going on but you're not really a part of the conversation have you ever been in that in that zone I hate that by the way unless I don't like the conversation then I'm just like man I'm glad I'm over here (laughs) I'm glad I'm on this end right but what he said is the round table, it brings everybody, everybody has to look at each other. Everybody's at the, on the same playing field. We're all a part of the conversation. And then the second thing uh, Mandela said is he said, I noticed that my dad was always the last one to speak. He let everybody else share first. He would listen first. And so I would encourage you to to do this. This is hard. If I were going to be honest, out of the five things that I'm going to share today, this one is the one that I have to work the hardest on. Because I generally have thoughts. As I said, I've got, I've got downloads, I've got opinions. Now, I'm not usually a jerk about it, right? I, I'm not one of those that's like, I'm coming in firing, double barrel, guns blazing. Like, that's just, you guys know, that's not how I am. I'm not intimidating that way. But I generally have already formulated my thoughts. I, I just don't always maybe throw them out there right away. But I've already kind of figured out before anybody else starts sharing. And people feel that. And so this is probably one that I... <laughs> Let's, let's just say this. I have a lot of potential for growth in my life on this one. That's a really nice way of saying you need to work on it. Right? So listen first. That's the first thing I would say. If you want to build, if you want to improve your relationships like yesterday, like right now, listen first. Just stop and listen more. Number two, if you want to fill your relational tank, look past the obstacle to the opportunity. Look past the obstacles to the opportunity. So uh, Simon Sinek tells another story uh, when he and a friend were in a race together. They were in a running race together in New York City. I think it was New York City. And they were in this race. And you guys know, if you're runners, you know this, that at the end of the race, there's usually a business or an organization that's giving away free something right? It's a free coffee. It's a free drink. It's a free, you know, whatever the case is, sandwich or something from their restaurant. And so in this particular case, Simon Sinek and his friend, they they finished the race and they showed up and, and, and the business was giving away free bagels. All right. They were giving away free, free bagels. And so Simon looks at his friend. He's like, Hey, let's go get a free bagel. And his friend looked at him and he saw the line that they would have to stand in to get the free bagel. And his friend said, now, line's too long. Let's just go. And Simon is like, free bagel. 
Just so that we're clear, I'm in Simon's camp on this. <laughs> like, I'm like, free food. Like, what, what's, wh why are we even debating? It's free food, right? And his friend, he said, why don't we do it? And, and his friend said, no, seriously, the line's too long. I don't want to wait. I just don't want to do it. And Simon's like, free bagels. Like, that's all you need to know. And Simon shares a lot of different insights, but I want to share one of them that he shares. If you want to, you can find this, you know, online, all kind of stuff. You can see this, you know, he'll, he'll tell you this story. And he shares a lot of insights. But one of the insights that I want to pull out that he shares is really, really powerful. And he said, in that moment, he realized that people can look at the same situation, the same perspective, but some are going to see the obstacles, the long line, while others will see the opportunity, the free bagel. I would encourage you in your relationships to see the opportunity rather than the obstacle. That's the word of truth that I think we all know we need to believe, but we have a hard time doing it. God wants perseverance. He wants it. He knows that relationships are hard, but he calls us to be hopeful about our relationships, to be hope-filled. In fact, he says this in Romans 12, 12. Listen to what, what it says. It says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, or patient through trouble, through difficult times, and faithful in prayer. What does that mean? It, it, it's very simply saying we've got to be prepared. We've got to be joyful. We've got to be looking for the opportunities the, rather than the obstacles. And we need to be patient in the struggles, in the problems. And we need to be faithful in prayer. What does that mean? It means we need to lean on God. How often have you tried to fix the relationship in your own power? Oh man, I have that problem. Ask my wife, she'll tell you. She doesn't want you to ask her, but if you do, she'll tell you. Like, I am a fixer, right? I fix problems, like that's what she does. And, and that's great when a problem needs to be fixed, but when my wife is sharing with me and all she really wants me to do is just kind of commiserate with her, then I start fixing. She's like, no, no, no. I don't need you to fix anything. Uh-uh, I just needed you to know. Stop fixing Right? And what I would say is we need to have perseverance. We need to use God's power, be faithful in prayer in our relationships. In fact, I would say that we tend to give up on relationships pretty quickly. Now, I know, I want to say this. This is important. If you're here and you have a significant failed relationship in your past, marriage, maybe estranged from one of your children who have grown up and gone away, want nothing to do with you, or what, whatever, whatever that relationship is, listen, I, I need you to hear me. This is not a point to bring pa up your past shame and your past problems and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying, I'm not standing here saying you gave up too early. All I'm saying is this is not, so uh, let, me, let me say it this way. This point is not for yesterday. This point is not for last year. You know what this point is? This point is to say that relationships, people are the most important thing in your life and you've got to fight for them. Stop giving up. 
Look past the hard work. Look past the long line and realize that it's going to take hard work. You know, one of the first things that I tell people when they say, hey, would you do our wedding? I say, yes, but you were required to do pre-marriage counseling with me. Okay, 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 I think we're still okay. Okay, we're good. Okay, we're good. All right, there's this moment, right? They're like, oh, we just wanted a fishing for the wedding. (laughs) Yeah, but I need to prepare you to be married. Okay, all right, we'll do that, right? And one of the first things I will tell them right out of the gate This is going to be really hard work. This is not like Hollywood, like, comes in, saves the day, defeated all the guys, knocked them out with one punch, you know, awesome, and sweeps her off the, and then into the sunset, and they never have an argument again. It's awesome. That's a load, is what that is. We all know that, right? It takes hard work. Why? Because on the good days, we're like, oh, I love you, dear. I love you, dear. Like, Laura and I, we're good. But it's those other days. It's the days when we're tired and the kids aren't listening. And this is like, maybe that's every day. I don't know. Well, you know, whatever the case is. Right? But this is, this is hard stuff. It's hard work. And I would just encourage you. Persevere. Fight for the relationships that you know are important to you, for the people that are important to you. Fight for them. Fight for the relationship. Don't allow shame and condemnation to keep you down. Fight for today. Fight for the future. Number three, if you want to fill your relational tank, this is one of the the biggest ones, maybe the biggest one. Serve and sacrifice for others. Serve and sacrifice for others. So I quote Jesus all the time. I I know I say this all the time here at Northridge, but Jesus himself said, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many, right? That's what Jesus said. He came to serve. He came to sacrifice himself for everyone else, for a relationship that he wanted to have with us, that he wanted us to have with him. But let me share a couple of other things. Galatians 5, 13 through 14. It says this. It says, for you have been, and by the way, this is speaking to you as followers of Christ. If you're not a follower of Christ, this is, this is hoping that you'll believe in this, but this is, this is for you as a follower of Christ. For you have been called to live in freedom. You have been called to live in freedom. My brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know what one of the best ways is to fill up your relational tank? It's to fill other people's tanks. The math doesn't seem to add up, does it? But I'm telling you, Right now, God wired this, us this way. In fact, by the way, next week, you know what we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about how and why God wired us biologically, chemically, to be predisposed for our relational tank to be filled up when we pour ourselves out to others. You are chemically, biologically predisposed to gain fuel in your relational tank when you pour yourself out to those around you. God made you that way. It's just hard to get there because we get through, have all the barriers. 
All right, let's move on. We've got to keep going. I could, I could stay on these things for a long time, but we've got to keep moving. Number four, sometimes you're the problem. Oh, snappers. <laughs> oh, man. This is, those of you that are writing, like you got one, two, and three down, you don't want to write four down, <laughs> right? I know, you're like, no, nah, I'm not putting that one in there, right? I'll, I'll take four today. I'm not taking all five. I'll take four, right? This one's not going on there. Sometimes you're the problem, right? This, this, this is the truth. We don't like this one, but it's true. What, what I say all the time is to, to people, the relationships that are struggling, there's never like somebody that's 0% at fault and somebody that's 100% at fault. Now, I think that there could be times when that could be true. I've just never come across that situation. It takes two to tango. Right? We've heard that. Sometimes we have to believe and understand that we're the problem. So let me give you a little story from history. So you guys know I, I'm a history teacher, former history teacher. I love history. So back in the 1800s, there was this terrible disease going around called peripheral fever. It's hard to say, by the way. Like I, I worked on that this week. I was like, man, I, can't, I still can't say it right. Peripheral fever. And this fever would afflict, specifically would afflict women who had just given birth. This is in the 1800s, so they didn't understand a lot of the stuff that we understand today. But that, that, that was what was going on. And so what would happen is they'd give, they, they'd give birth, they'd have childbirth, and then within a couple of days, they, they'd catch this fever, and then in another couple of days, they'd be dead. They would die. Horrible, horrible disease. And the doctors, they were like, man, we, you know, we've been through the Renaissance, we know science works and all kind of stuff. And so they decided, we're going to figure out this problem. Like, we've got to start studying and figuring out, you know, what's going on. And so what they did is they kind of reorganized their day so they could figure out this main problem. Because there was, uh, I can't remember what the percentage was, but it was a really high percentage of, of women who were, who were dying because of this disease, this fever. And so what they did is they organized their day in such a way that they would, in the morning, they would kind of study the, the bodies, the cadavers of the ladies who were passing away so that they could learn what was going on, where this disease was coming from and how, you know, how they're getting infected and all kind of stuff. And then they would go to the rest of the day and then they'd deliver the babies, right? They'd have to still do their other job, right? The regular part of their job. And, it, and this continued again and again, but through, for decades, the fever got worse and worse and worse and more and more ladies were dying. Until a couple of guys figured out that the doctors were the problem. You know what was happening? They weren't washing their hands and sterilizing the equipment that they were using to study the women at the beginning of the day before they delivered the babies at the end of the day. The doctors were actually the ones passing the disease to the women. They were trying to solve the problem, but they were the problem. Sometimes we need to realize that we need to hold ourselves accountable for some of the stuff we're in. I know that that's not fun to hear. In fact, I would say this. We cannot take credit for the good stuff if we're not willing to take responsibility for the bad stuff. Right? We cannot take credit for the good things if we're not going to also take responsibility for the stuff that's not so good. They go hand in hand. We're a part of it either way. 
And so I would encourage you, Proverbs 28, 13 gives some very good but very hard truth. It says, people who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. We don't talk about repenting all that often. But this is why David, King David in the Bible, it says that he was a man after God's own heart. You know why it says that? It's not because David was perfect. Do you realize what David did? I bring this up all the time. David was an adulterer. He had an affair. And then he committed murder to cover it up. How many of you put that on your resume to become a pastor to church, for example? Oh, this guy, this guy looks great. He had an affair and then he committed murder to cover it up. Let's get him on board. And then, yet yeah, David actually writes a portion of Scripture. So why is David considered a man after God's own heart? Is it because he lived a perfect life? Is it because, no, it's because he owned up, he was accountable to the stuff that he caused, the problems that he caused in his own life and the lives of others. You know what happened when God confronted David? He fell on his face. He said, God, I'm not good. Forgive me. He repented. Sometimes the best thing we can do is confess and repent of the role that we've played in whatever the relationship issues are. All right, number five. This is kind of the key to all the others. I kind of left it as last on purpose. If we don't get this one, you probably didn't hear anything that I just said. Honestly. Number five is stay humble. Stay humble. Be humble. Humility. James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Huge. 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. And then Jesus' words in Luke 14, 11, Jesus says, those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And by the way, we kind of get the wrong idea about humility, don't we? A lot of people think that humility is like you lay down and you let everybody else walk on top of you, that you become a doormat. That's not humility. In fact, I love what C.S. Lewis says. You guys have maybe heard this from me before, but C.S. Lewis says very simply this, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Those are two really different things. Same words, very different things. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's not beating yourself down. It's thinking of yourself less. It's putting other people ahead of you first. It's putting God first ahead of your life. So there's a coach by the name of John Wooden. And a lot of you have probably heard of John Wooden as a coach. He's a famous coach from uh, the middle of the you know, 1900s. Um, and for three decades, he was the coach for the UCLA Bruins. And in the span of those three decades, he led the, the men's basketball team to 10 national championships. 10 national championships. Seven of those, by the way, were in a row, in succession, year after year. 
But one thing that is known about Coach John Wooden is on any given day or on any given week, you could go into the gym and you would find Coach John Wooden with a broom sweeping the gym floor. Now, of all the status that John Wooden achieved in his, all the success that he achieved, for sure he could have given this job to his assistants, right? He could have given this job to his players and said, players, before we practice, we're going to sweep the floor. He could have asked the university to hire somebody. He was making them so much money. That was not going to be a problem. But John Wooden, for the, his whole career, coaching career, he would take the broom and he would sweep the gym floor himself. The head of the program. Why did he do that? Because John Wooden understood that building relationships Building trust, building respect with other people requires humility first. Humility. So I want to ask you today, where's your broom? Where's your broom? What act, what words do you need to take to humble yourself in your relationship with God in your relationship with other people. In fact, I want you to do this just for a moment. I want you to look around you. Look, look to your left. Look to your right. What do you see? Everybody's like, well, that's awkward. I'm making eye contact with people now. That's a good thing, right? If we just come in and sit in our pods and we're like, Right? We never look at anybody, we never engage, we never talk to anybody, we never talk to Bren on the way out. Come on, right? Let's engage. You know why? Because the most important thing in this world are people. It's how God made it. And so my question to you that I want to leave you with is this. How are you doing at taking care of people? The most precious gift that God has given to you is your own life and the life of the people around you. How are you stewarding those relationships? How are you taking care of those people? Where's your relational gauge? Are you willing to be open and honest and humble to do what God wants you to do? Let's pray. Lord, sometimes it's hard truth when we realize that we have maybe not gone the way that we should. And so God, right now, I just, I'm feeling the pressure right now from you. I feel that there may be people in the room right now that are, they're closed to this. They're, they're, they're callous to this. They've shut these words out today. And, and there might be several reasons. One, they just don't want to hear it. They don't want to do the hard work. They don't want to reconcile with that person. They know how much that person hurt them and they want nothing to do with this message. God, I pray for them. I pray for the person that is callous and they want nothing to do with what these words meant and, and this message today. I pray that you would help them 
to realize that humility is the path forward, that humbling themselves, surrendering themselves to you and realizing that opening up that callousness, being transparent, being vulnerable with the people that they care about most, that care about them most is the way forward. And God, I'm feeling this pressure as well just a little bit this morning that if there's somebody here that feels ashamed, they're probably not showing it on their face, but inside their their heart is just turned over. They're they're in pain because maybe there there was a a marriage that broke and they thought it was going to work out. Maybe there's there's an estranged relationship with their children or with a parent. And it's, and it's just hurt for years. God, maybe there's people here that they're just, they're feeling so guilty and so ashamed. I pray that you would right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I speak Jesus into that. And I pray that you would dispel and push out and destroy shame and fear and guilt. Get rid of it. Help them to realize that all they need to do is lean into your power and your love that they have for them and that they have for the possible reconciliation reconciliation of that relationship. God, I pray that you would help them to get rid of fear and shame. Help them not to be chained down by condemnation, to be condemned by their past relationship issues or failures or whatever, however they view it. I pray that they would find freedom in Jesus. More than anything, God, I pray that you would help each one of us, no matter where our relationships are, to speak Jesus over our lives, over our people, over our relationships, whether it's family, whether it's a marriage, whether it's our children, whether it's friends, even if it's people in the neighborhood or or people that we don't know, I pray that you would help us to speak Jesus in and over and around our relationships with people. I pray this, I ask this, for you to be infused in all of this, Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen. One word, it's Jesus.